it would be great if you could rescue 10 calves or 80 calves or 100 calves, but we can't rescue our way out of the problem. Welcome to the Sanctuary Life Podcast, where we take you through a day in the life of animal rescues and sanctuaries across the country. Whether you are an experienced sanctuary staffer, one of the countless volunteers who works so hard at sanctuaries each day, or someone who just loves animals, we hope this journey can give you a behind-the-scenes peek into just what it takes to live the sanctuary life. Now, here's your host, Brandon Feisner, co-founder of Louisville, Kentucky's Butterfly Valley Rescue and Sanctuary. We're recording this week's episode on May the 4th, which for any Star Wars fans out there is a big day. Earlier today, I came across a quote, and it instantly struck me for its similarity to what we experience uh, day-to-day in sanctuary life. The quote was from Star Wars character Ezra Bridger, and, and says, It won't be easy. There will be loss and sacrifice. But we can't back down just because we're afraid. That's when we need to stand the tallest. Stand up together. Because that's when we're strongest as one. It instantly felt like this quote was written for everyone in the uh, animal activism and and animal rescue and and farmed animal sanctuary world. Uh, Unfortunately, all too often we are reminded that it won't be easy. And we experience loss and sacrifice. But as a sanctuary family, uh, we have to remember that we can't back down. And that in those moments of loss and sacrifice, that's when we need to stand the tallest stand up together, because that's when we are strongest as one. Today's guest is renowned in the rescue industry, his work saving dairy calves in the biggest dairy producing state in the northeast U.S. was recently showcased by the British daily newspaper The Guardian. The article which outlines the cruel fate of dairy calves explains, it is impossible to know how many dairy calves are shot in the U.S. each year, since there's no official record of animals that do not enter the food chain. Some believe that number could be in the hundreds of thousands. The article then follows the journey of New York-born Jason Balalek as he moved to Vermont to grow hemp. Balalek quickly became exposed to the dairy industry in Vermont, which he says is chock full of dairy farms. After hearing a story about how the farmers killed the male calves, he says it changed his life. What first began as a plan to save just two calves blossomed into the rescue organization Destination Liberation and has since found homes for more than 70 unwanted calves. Balalek's journey has now taken a new turn as he recently began launching the Potomac, Maryland-based Rosie's Farm Sanctuary in what he calls his dream job because now when he rescues calves, he can keep them rather than having to find other homes for them. Join us as we chat about Jason's journey as an activist on the front line saving calves all the way through his current adventure as farm manager at Rosie's Farm Sanctuary. Jason, first off, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we are, yes, we are absolutely honored to have you as part of the podcast. And uh, we have followed your story with Destination Liberation for a while and uh, are very excited to hear about your, your newest endeavor with, with Rosie's Farm Sanctuary. Uh, I know we briefly touched on your story and and some of the highlights that brought you to where you are today, 
Can you tell us what it was that initially made you have this connection with the dairy calves up there in Vermont? Um, I would say they just reminded me of my dogs. I think that's, that's what it was. It's my dogs really, they helped me understand how sentient beings, animals can have their own interests and their own personalities. And I just saw that in cows and that's why I was drawn to them. Um, you know, it's, it's really as simple as that. It's, it's, I looked at them and saw dogs that I've loved, you know, that I've, I've treated like family members. My, I've had dogs my whole life growing up. I had a dog in my early adult years, and now I have two dogs that are essentially my children. And they've taught me so much. So I would, I would say that was really what it was from the beginning. Is my curiosity as far as cows came, it stemmed from that, my love of, for my dogs. Yes, and I, I think that's a, a very similar statement that we hear from so many when they finally get the experience uh, visiting sanctuaries and such to meet animals, whether that be cows or sheep or goats or pigs, uh, whatever that, that may be. I think there is that belief out there, uh, obviously some of that being brought on by the meat industry, uh, that, that these animals are so much different than what our dogs or our cats, uh, may be. And, and when you actually, meet those animals and get to spend time with them and watch them. They're incredibly similar. Um, and in the case of, of some of those species are even smarter than what our dogs and cats are. So it, it is, it's very neat to see that, that that is what uh, connected you uh, with them. Yeah. I think it's a common thread. I think it's, it's easy to connect those dots you know it's it's um when you show people that we're intentionally um what's happening is we are intentionally disconnected from those animals and from those uh, what are basically considered products right i mean that's the whole job of what a sanctuary does is bridge that gap between the products people are, are buying and the beings they're disconnected from. And, and we all, you know, as a culture, as a society, we really love our companion animals. So that's, it's a common thread. I think that helps. Um, I think it's a common story for a lot of activists that that's where they made that connection. And I, and I try to show how cute the calves are and how they're, I always equate it to puppies because it's, it's so similar. Yes. Um, and boy, have you showcased and shared some unbelievably cute, ca <laughs> unbelievably cute calves along the way. Yeah, um, they, they make my job easy. You know, they, they make it easy for me to help people make the connection because they're so cute. You know, they're, they're so adorable. I mean, they, they, how can we be doing this? But we, we just don't know. It's right in front of our faces and we don't, we don't see it because 
the industry and the money and the power obviously is is conditioning us from a, from a young age, you know, where I never questioned where milk came from or why or any of those things. That's what that's what really drives me is that I didn't know until I was 40 years old how milk was even produced and why. Isn't that it's just bizarre. That's what drives me is that this stuff is happening and I, I still meet adults, smart adults that have no clue about it at all. Even, even the vegan community doesn't know that calves are shot the day they're born. That is another whole um, rabbit hole that I went down. And it's just, like I said in the article, it changed my life. Yes. It, um, and I know I was just listening to, to another podcast the other day, and they were talking about how they, they spoke with a, a physician um, and even the physician was unaware, like you said, that, that cows have to become pregnant in order to produce milk and, and then not even having that connection with, well, they're pregnant and, and then what happens with those calves. So I think it is a, it's an incredible, uh, thing that, that you are able to do to help people, not only to, to rescue the calves and, and all the work that is going into that, but to showcase to the world what these animals are like and, yeah. and, and to, I think to that, showcase that, the horrors of it. Yeah, I think actually that's what, what is most important is the messaging behind what I'm doing. I think that I learned that really early. I learned that um, rescuing calves it would be great if you could rescue 10 calves or 80 calves or a hundred calves, but we can't rescue our way out of the problem. So what becomes paramount is our ability to spread the word, use social media as a tool and get these videos going viral. That's the way we change minds because you could, you could save a thousand calves and then, not tell anybody about it. That's great. Those cows are saved, but you could save 10 calves or you could save one calf that got 50 million views on a Dodo video, like the Eli and Marley video that I think that's over 50 million views on Facebook alone. That is the way we change things. It's we have to show people, we have to connect them. That is paramount. Yes, that, that definitely is. And, um, talking about number of of calves saved, I know that the Destination Liberation has has saved more than seventy calves to this point, and um, that number I'm sure will just continue to grow. But can you tell us about that that very first rescue that you did, and and then not only that rescue, but is is there one since then that is a that is a very specific rescue that maybe stands out in your mind as the most memorable? Um, well, the first rescue certainly is up there on the memorable, memorable list um, because I had no idea what to expect, what I was getting into. I put calves in the back of a, I think it was a Nissan Sentra that I, or a Maxima that I rented. And I basically made the back seat a, uh, a bed for them. And I had no idea 
what to expect. And the first, what hit me first was how calm they are. Their calming presence. They are, it was, it was just such an in interesting, it was, it was so much different than it, it would be to transport my dog somewhere. They, they're just so much more peaceful. And I just, what I took away from that experience was these calves, these babies, all they really desire is for us not to hurt them. They're totally at our mercy. That's what I, keep, I took from it. And that, even after the first rescue, I didn't know I was gonna even do it again. I, I had no plans to do it again. And then somebody saw the video I posted and asked if they could adopt. And then that just started the wheels turning. So the second rescue, it was a single cow, a single calf that I brought to someone nearby in Vermont. And I shot, uh, or took a quick uh, blog type, blog style, selfie style video that I posted online that night after I transported him to his new home. And that went viral, that went crazy. And then I realized that I was gonna to continue to do this at that moment. I think when that video started to really get, go crazy and people started to follow me and it, it, it supported me, you know, it, it boosted me all I've done and, and all of these steps along my uh, path and my journey, it's all been because of other people's energy. It's not just myself, you know, I took the step to do something, to meet with a farmer, to decide to do a rescue, but other than that, every door is open for me and I've grown because of the community support. That's really, I owe it to my supporters, to other people who know so much more about cows than I do, uh, other activists, people like yourself doing podcasts, spreading awareness. I'm just a cog in this movement, in this machine, right? That, that is this movement. I feel blessed to be in this position, but I do want to just touch on what you asked me. I'll just finish it up. My most memorable rescue, those obviously stick with me, but the last one I did before I moved out of Vermont that was part of that investigation for the Guardian, that really, that was a really difficult rescue. That calf, Cece, came from the worst conditions that I've ever been in. And she was in Cornell's hospital for 26 days. And that was, that really, you know, every time I, I come to a point where I think I've seen it all, it's worse. Or I come to a place where I feel like the cognitive dissonance doesn't get any thicker, it does, you know? And that rescue of Cece, who went to Mockingbird Farm Sanctuary in New York, in Western New York, that really, um, that was a test that really tested me um, because it put me it, in the face of farmers, you know, that I have to smile with and pretend I'm friends with while babies are shivering cold on a floor that they're just letting, you know, whatever happened whatever happens happens is basically their, their idea, right? They, they're not giving medical care. If they make it, they make it. If they don't, they don't. And I have to pretend to these people like that's normal. And 
that's really um, that's a that's a hard thing to reconcile to be in there and you know I, I I could talk for hours about this but I want people to smell what that barn smells like I don't even want to just show people these cute calf videos I want people to smell where their cheese comes from if I could bring people in there it would change a lot more minds but you know I do what I can I'm doing what I can no and you were you were doing quite a bit and it's interesting that that CC was the most memorable. I literally just earlier this afternoon was, was having a conversation um, and, and CC came up and, and the incredible uh, story that, um, that, that followed that whole adventure, because I don't know any other way to, uh, to explain it because it, even once CC was at Cornell, it was like every time it was like, take one step forward and two steps back and, and, uh, didn't, I mean, truly every day seemed like it was, um, you didn't know what to expect next. And, and like you said, all that comes from, um, the horrific conditions that some yeah, of these animals yeah. are, are living in. No question. I mean, they are in unnatural conditions, even on the nicest of, of farms. It's just unnatural for cows. And, uh, yeah, the, the CC story it's interesting. It's an interesting one because that story is not even over. You know, these cows, it, they, they tell a story forever for their lives. Yes. You know, that's, that's, it's so important to understand that, that that rescue doesn't just tell that viral video that doesn't just um, give us cute photos. It, her story is told over and over, but that story specifically isn't over because I'm still in contact with one of the farmhands there who's asking me a lot of questions about why we would post, uh, why Joanne and I would talk about these things and the way we do. And I have basically a farmhand who I thought I was going to lose con uh, c a contact with altogether because of the investigation, because of the posts uh, that Joanne did for her website and, now that the, you know, basically the cat is out of the bag and I'm not so supportive of dairy and they know one of the farmhands is talking to me and I feel like that's actually a way in to see more and expose more, which is really something I never thought would happen. And I'm not saying that it's for sure, but I have a filmmaker really interested in making a short film with this guy. And uh, it's really, my point is it's amazing that even when you think a story's over, it might not be. There, there could be more to this story that's going to be exposed. Yes, it's really cool to see the, to see like the strings uh, uh, kind of coming undone as, as people are, are made aware. Even someone um, like a farmhand that, that is in it every day, that um, that's, that's their livelihood. And and to see them kind of to some extent understanding what's what's going on there and and see that change is 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 a great start yeah I'm not, I'm not quite sure about the the if, because i do deal with a lot of different types of farmers and i've, yes. I've had to make these connections and they're not all the same but 
this is an interesting story because there's something going on with him and, and what he was curious about because he followed the story. He's wondering why in the hell a sanctuary would spend $10,000 or $12,000 to save a calf, right? He's trying to understand and wrap his head around this, but at the same time, this guy is a guy who makes maybe 28 grand a year, right? So he's yeah. doing all these jobs and he's being exploited and he's looking at this community support to raise 10,000 for a calf and he doesn't understand it. So something is going on with him. You know, there's a lot going on, I'm sure that I can't even understand, but he's making connections. He's probably feeling uh, as if he's not valued. I, I, I can only imagine, but having him be interested in continuing a conversation is, is still, it's something I didn't expect because he's following the story and he wants to talk more. And for me, I want to dig deeper into this because I don't know how closely you followed that story. He was the manager of the barn that burned down. Now that barn that burned down, that his boss, they got an insurance check. They're building now. So they're gonna be full of calves again and mothers soon, this summer. They'll have cows back in that barn in that structure, Jersey cows, and he's gonna be running it. And I feel like I'm gonna be back there. I just have a feeling I'm gonna be, there's more to this story about him, about how he's exploited, about how the system works. And honestly, I really wanna show the public the truth because no one, no one out there has shown on film calves being shot. People can deny this, that it happens. I talk to farmers you, on my pages all the time that deny it happens because if it doesn't happen in their area, right, they don't think it happens. But because of Vermont, because of the size of these jerseys, because of the legal slaughter weight, because of the small farms don't have a lot of males, they're shot. And no one has exposed that. I mean, people can talk about it, I can talk about it, but no one's shown that. So this is one of the last pillars holding dairy up. Let's show the world, I wanna show the world. And I have, that Guardian article has garnered a lot of attention and I can't believe the door isn't closed with this farmer. It just makes me think there's more to come. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. And, and exciting, an exciting future for, for the hopeful change that that, that yeah. can bring about. I want to see dairy die in my lifetime, and I think it will. Yes. I know that uh, talking about CC and, and we've followed along with a number of, of the rescues personally, and um, one that specifically comes to mind for us is is Norman and Dudley that currently live down with with our really good friends at May Farm Sanctuary in Nashville. Um, uh, we have really enjoyed watching uh, those two grow up over the last six months. They're they're living in the same uh, field, their same pasture there, with a sweet little mini pig named Wanda that actually came from our sanctuary. She was one of our rescue um, babies, and and so to see them growing up alongside her and. Um, and, and the dynamic there between the animals and, and things that, again, most people never, most people never see. No. Um, I know that, that it seems that a, a lot of your rescue activity uh, occurred primarily in the Northeast, being up in, in Vermont and stuff uh, where you lived. And 
is Nashville the furthest you've ever sent a calf or calves? No, actually, I have. Um, I have Francis and Floyd are in outside of Des Moines, Iowa, at uh, Iowa Farm Sanctuary. So that's that's pretty. That's I think that's the furthest. Although I also do have some calves in Florida. I think I have six calves and six cows now in Florida. So it's either Florida or Iowa. They're the furthest. So, but awesome. Those were those were some long journeys and um, trips that I'll never forget. You know, I'll never. Each trip is is unique in a way, um, and and it just it it makes me feel so blessed to have been able to go on those trips because. I mean, really, it's just, I feel blessed to be with them, to know them as individuals, that my life has led me to meeting these beings. I'm just blessed to be in this position. So I feel an obligation to let other people know that, that they shouldn't be ignored. And we are, we are having the wool pulled over our eyes. And like you said, you know, these things that so many people never question. I never questioned it. It just fell in my lap. You know, I didn't question it until I was smack dab in Vermont. Yes. It, uh, I, I am right there with you. There's, there's times where I look back on life and, and the things that, that I believed and, and wonder now, you know, they say hindsight's twenty twenty. I'm like, how in the world, was I so, uh, at the time, kind of blissfully ignorant to what was going on in the world? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's we're 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 conditioned to be moving fast all the time and and be consumers. So, yeah, I mean, I understand where people are coming from. I understand how easy it is to fall into those habits and I understand, but coming from that perspective, it gives me so much insight on, on how we can do our best to connect people. And, and I, I just, like I said, I just feel so blessed to be able to be doing this work. You know, it's just, uh, it doesn't feel like work. Yes. And I think you've touched on, on a little bit of our, our next question already, but but curious to see kind of where else uh, it goes. For folks that have not spent much time around cows, and and I'll I'll say personally, I've had limited limited exposure to cows themselves and, and calves specifically. Uh, what is what is one thing that you would want uh, people to know and realize about them? Well, there's a lot, but I w if I had to pick one thing, it would be that they are extremely curious beings. They are so inquisitive. They're so, they just want, they want to understand what's happening around them. They're, they're very aware. They're, they're, it's just a sign to me of intelligence and I feel like 
I wrote them off, you know, we, I, since I was a, a child, it was just all you, all you think of is the toys were given or the um, happy uh, image, imagery on the products that we see. And they are just such, they're, they're so, they're full of personality, they're individuals, but there's no doubt that the one thing I would, I would single out with cows no matter what their personality, whether, because there's all different types, they are very curious beings. They are so curious and, and sweet too, especially if, if they're raised around people, then they are they're big puppies. They get excited, they jump, they, they ex express all those same emotions that, that we do find lovable about our pets. And I know speaking of curious, that, that goes back to and makes me think of the video. And, and I think it was Norman that was there um, at May Farm Sanctuary uh, with the squirrel on the tree with the baby squirrel. Um, yeah, and just seeing, seeing how inquisitive they are and how, again, you, you get this, this imagery of, of that with all the animals, uh, whether it's w especially male animals uh, and bulls that that they're mean and they're aggressive and they're and here you see a six month old calf that uh, could I mean could do anything they wanted with a squirrel and literally is up like checking it out, kind of licking at it, do it just it is it is the absolutely cutest video if if anyone has not seen it. Uh, please go go check it out. I, I think it's on your Instagram. Um, just an incredible video to watch. Yeah, yeah, that it's a it's a perfect example of how they investigate with their tongue. They investigate things. They just want to check it out, whether it's a, a deflated basketball in a field or a squirrel on a tree. They just investigate. They are so sweet. And yeah, there, of course, we would want to neuter them like our pets because it's our responsibility and that will decrease their testosterone levels. And, and that, that's where I was going with the video as far as you know what, what a bull is and then how we, we steer them. And, and by doing so, they do become docile. I mean, there's the cows that I have all over the country, most by far, mostly boys. There's a few girls, but mostly boys. They are as docile as can be, just um, huggable. And again, like, like puppies. Yes. So obviously with your rescue work and, and relocating these calves to sanctuaries across the country, you have seen uh, as many different sanctuaries as, as most or more different sanctuaries than most people. What is it about the sanctuary life that really made you want to move from primarily working in that, that like activist role and, and frontline rescuer um, on the dairy farm, saving these cattle to, to managing a sanctuary now there at, at Rosie's Farm Sanctuary? Well, I would say the opportunity, honestly, it's just too good to pass up. Um, it's just, 
it seems like the next logical step in the evolution, in my evolution, uh, in doing this work because Rosie's is a small sanctuary that is, you know, we're only six acres. So I, I wanted this position because it's tailor made for me. This location we're in is just 25 minutes from Washington DC and about 40 minutes from Baltimore. So I am in a little piece of rural area that is surrounded by uh, developed uh, society. And it's also the home of policymakers. Uh, I'm gonna have unlimited volunteer opportunities. I'll be able to do outreach with schools. The, the, the sky is the limit here. The opportunities are endless. I would not have taken the position to be in a rural area where I didn't have the same outreach opportunities, but Rosie's is tailor-made for me. Um, I can also use the facilities we have because we have more stalls than we have acres for animals. So what that means is I'll be able to continue my work uh, rescuing, fostering, now I'll be able to foster calves and then have a placement program as well. And, and that'll also mean that I can help smaller micro sanctuaries get exposure. I can help raise money for them. I can just, I'm in a better, I'm in a better position to lay the groundwork for those things. So I feel like I still have dairy connections and I can make more. I just made one today, actually, in Vermont. Um, you know, it's just, it's tailor-made for me because I can do the work I'm still, I, I'm already doing. And I can merge that with having animals here. Basically, my idea is ambassador species. We're going to have some pigs. I'm going to obviously raise a couple cows. We just rescued four goats. It's going to be small ambassador species type sanctuary. It's not going to be sprawling. So I'll be able to educate people. I'll be able to create space for non-vegans to connect with the vegan community. And that's, um, I mean, it's just perfect. I'm living a dream. Yes. And I love, I love hearing about the outreach and, and that is something that, uh, when we started with, with the sanctuary that we run butterfly Valley on a much, we're on a very a much smaller scale, even than what Rosie's is. We literally run our sanctuary out of, out of our backyard. It is, it is a micro sanctuary and it is, um, it is allowing us, like you said, to be able to expose people to animals that they would have never had exposure to. And, and to be able to try to make that connection, between non-vegans and vegans and to try to, um, I mean, we have walked goats down the sidewalk and, and had kids ask us what kind of dog that is um, because they've never seen a goat before. So to hear, I love the reasoning for your location and the, the perfect placement of that. I mean, it couldn't have kind of fate couldn't have put you in a better, pl in a better place there uh, to, to really, truly take what, uh, to take that opportunity and make something, make something really big of it. Yeah. The, the sky's the limit here. And I just, I can't believe it. And it all happened because of the social media, again, our greatest tool as activists, it, it's social media. And, and that's how 
I got this job because it was my founders. They were following me on, so, on Facebook for a couple of years and they had this dream and we were dreaming the same dream. And here we are, I can't believe it. So um, I know it'll be challenging. You know, rescue work is, is challenging. There's no question about that, but um, I can't think of anything else I'd rather be doing with my life. I mean, this is, uh, I, I'm blessed. Yes, and um, speaking of of squirrels earlier, I, I know just the other day you all had had a post on uh, Instagram, and uh, you had your your first official rescue at at Rosie's there, which was quite a bit smaller than the calves you're used to rescuing. Uh, can you tell us just that little the the fun little adventure of of Peanut the the orphan baby squirrel that was there? Eric? Yeah, yeah, um, Peanut just crawled into a stall when I was, uh, I was cleaning a stall or I was, I was putting sheep away, the sheep that we residents that we have here. And there was a baby squirrel that just crawled right up to me in our, through our, uh, I was putting shavings down and I saw something moving and, and, and peanut came right to me. It's sad though. Unfortunately, peanut didn't make it. I, I did bring peanut to a wildlife rehab center and she didn't make, he, I think it was, I think it was a boy. Yeah. He didn't make it. Um, and it was heartbreaking because man, you know, it just, every, it doesn't matter how small or, or what the animal is. Once you make that connection to having empathy and, and understanding that they have a right to life and they have the capacity to suffer and feel, once you really understand that, um, it's 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 a blessing and a burden, right? Because you know that's the hard part of rescuing. But yeah, unfortunately, Peanut was too dehydrated, and um, it's a sad story. But like I said a minute ago, you know, rescuing I know is going to be challenging and it's going to be difficult. So, you know, the, the first story, it, it was a, it was a tough one. Yeah. And it's, uh, I'll tell you from our experience, I, I'm convinced that sometimes the, um, it's those animals that, that you don't necessarily have much time with. And obviously in Peanut's case, it was getting, getting him to a, to a wildlife rescue that, that had experience with his species, but Man, sometimes those ones that, that you just have a limited time with, but whether it be that they were they were too um, too sick uh, before you got them, boy, they they leave a they leave a lasting a lasting mark on you that um, that carries a, a long ways. Yeah, no question. There's no question. You know, I, I I won't forget that feeling of hoping he makes it. You know, and trying to do right by him because he was in need, you know, and yeah, it's, it's, we, we don't forget that that feeling doesn't go away. You know, it's something we don't forget. Yes. With, with that said, I know you've talked about goats and sheep and uh, some of the different animals that you all have. What, what different species do you all currently, or what all different species do you all currently have uh, at, at Rosie's farm sanctuary there? Right now we have two sheep that were, that basically came with the property because initially this, originally this was a 4-H 
there was a 4-H program going on here for many years and then it ended, but the animals stayed and the caretakers on the property, because it was um, connected to an adjoining property, they worked out a deal with um, basically their staff to live in a house here, take care of animals. They were just basically leftovers. And um, so there's a couple sheep, there's too many horses. And then we just rescued um, four goats from a, from a dairy. So we're, um, that's where we are now. Oh, and of course we have eight hens that were here as well that, that have been here since I don't know when. I'm not even sure how old they are. There's, they just came with the property because our, the founders, Michelle and Craig, they weren't gonna, obviously any animals here when they bought the place, they were gonna stay. They weren't gonna be sent off somewhere because who knows what happens to them, you know? Yes. Um, obviously there's a big difference in, uh, caring for cows and caring for chickens and, uh, some of the, some of the other species that you've talked about and we've seen on, on your Instagram there, how much experience do you have caring for, uh, these other species and, and uh, like these other farmed animal species and, and what, and I guess even when you first got into, your work with Destination Liberation, did, did you have experience with um, with farmed animal species, especially cows, or, or has this really been a, a learn on the learn on the go? It was just hands on, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know anything. And fortunately, again, the community of rescuers, these amazing people I've met have been so willing to help educate me and um you know that's just you can't put a price on that and and i'm able to call if i have a problem i'm able to call an expert and they'll always answer my call you know if, if they're busy with their cows i can talk to someone else everyone everyone has been trying to willing to help along the way and i learn i've learned what i can and now i'm dealing with different species and, and i can feel already it's the same thing I'm going to be learning as I go. You're learning every day. Even people who have been doing this work 20, 30 years, they're still learning things. So I'm just fortunate enough to have these amazing connections I've made and they, they offer great advice and um, that, that's what I'm relying on. So I, I feel like, again, I'm blessed because not only have I met these amazing beings, I've been connected to this community that I love because it's, it's people with shared values and have, we have the same outlook on the, uh, the same worldview. So I've found my tribe in a sense. Yes. Uh, I tell people all the time that the day that we truly get to where we can can continue to unite um, the the sanctuaries across the country and and really uh, really take uh, the little bits and pieces that that each of us and skills that each of us have um, in our own places and the knowledge we have and and really use that as that uh, as they come together as a as a sanctuary family. Um, across the country, the 
the sky truly is the limit for what for what we can continue to accomplish. And and like you said, just being able to help each other out in um, in unique situations, whether it's different animals or just animals that that have a, an injury or an illness or something else going on that we are not familiar with that that other sanctuaries may have dealt with uh, tens of hundreds of times. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that there's always going to be something to learn because there's always new problems. Uh, and, and we wake up and we don't know what those problems are going to be. We don't know what we're, we're going to wake up to. So, or uh, be woken up to, who knows? But yeah, I mean, yes. it's, it's so rewarding, right? I mean, and that's why we do it because some of us are meant to be doing this. Yes. What would you say has been the most difficult thing for you as far as your uh, as your transition and and getting things kind of settled and and started there at Rosie's Farm Sanctuary with with some of the the new rescues of the goats and things like that? What has been the the most difficult kind of part of the transition? Um, the most difficult part of the transition, it's all been, it's been pretty easy. Um, I think we have, we have the, the, the mini horses are a little bit challenging because they haven't had a lot of human interaction. And one of the horses that needs medical attention, he's pretty, he's working with a trainer now, but he's been feral for years here. I mean, hardly any human interaction and he won't let anyone put a muzzle on him or get near him. So trying to get him into the pasture I want him in or, you know, trying to get him where I want him, that's challenging. So you, obviously I need to have patience. And, uh, but other than that, I haven't had too many challenges of yet. Um, I'm sure they're, they're right on the horizon though. No, that that's positive news though. It's, uh, get things started on a, on a good foot there. Are there any, uh, big rescues on the horizon at the moment for either destination liberation or for Rosie's farm sanctuary that, um, that you can tell us about? And obviously some of that may be, you can't give out too many details, but any, any big things planned? Yeah. Yeah. The, the big one is our cows, um, in May, um, later this month, I'm planning on rescuing our, our cows. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's the perfect basic, it's the perfect rescue to really launch Rosie's and merge it with my work is obviously cows, calves. So, you know, that's what I'm, I'm really excited about. So yeah, that's the next rescue on the horizon. I was a bit hesitant to rescue the goats that we did, but they were gonna go to slaughter and we do have the room. So I feel like we should, I wanna go slow because I have to deal with quarantining and now I'm gonna be, it's possibly gonna be an overlap with quarantining and that's a lot, you know? So um, dealing with biosecurity issues is, is I know the importance of that. So, um, it just happened, you know, now we have the goats and, um, you know, as long as their blood tests come back good, they'll mix with, with our sheep and 
and then we'll have calves toward the end of the month. And that is going to be um, the, the, the launch on all the platforms of Rosie's. Awesome. We, we certainly can't wait to, can't wait to see that. I know that is something with, with your work with calves that will be an exciting moment yeah, uh, for you as well. Because I'll be able to, knowing that I read when I rescue them, I'm going to be spending time with them that I ordinarily wouldn't. I don't, I'm not going to be just dropping them off. They're going to be coming home. You'll get to experience them growing up instead of just watching kind of through social media. Yeah. yeah. What, uh, with you spending more time, obviously managing the sanctuary now, uh, what does the, the future look like for, for Destination Liberation? And, and is the plan for you to continue placing calves at other sanctuaries throughout the country as, as you have done? Or what, what does that kind of look like? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. I, I want to continue that work. I have the Dairy Connections. I still have people reaching out to adopt. I have the stalls to foster. It only makes sense. So I'm also in a position where I'm now going to have even more of a social media outreach with Rosie's to continue to make content and spread awareness, educate. Um, I think Rosie's will probably be a way that I'll be a little more, uh, maybe my content will be a bit more gentle, but it'll still have a message. Um, Destination Liberation is a little different. I, I go a little bit further into, um, you know, the darker places, but I'm just going to continue to grow and then we'll see what happens. I, I, the sky's the limit. I mean, I don't know, know where this is going, but I want it to end with dairy dying. Yes. Um, and, and speaking of social media that I know we've talked about and, and how important um, that is, if people want to follow or know more about Destination Liberation or Rosie's Farm Sanctuary, what is the best way for them to stay up to date with everything that's going on? Well, I can direct everyone to Rosie's Farm Sanctuary. Uh, if they just search Rosie's Farm Sanctuary on Instagram, they'll find us or rosiesfarmsanctuary.org. We have a website up. Um, and obviously Destination Liberation, if you just Google that, I'm on all the platforms. So that's uh, you know Facebook. And, and basically, if you just Google Rosie's Farm Sanctuary or Destination Liberation, you'll find me and all the work I'm doing. So easy enough. Awesome. And yeah, and we will make sure to link to um, to some of those social media accounts and, and the websites and stuff in the, in the show notes for this episode as well. So people can, can find you easily. Um, and in both the rescue world with, with what you're doing, um, with destination liberation, and, and then even more so with Rosie's farm sanctuary, um, it can get rescue life can get very expensive, very fast. Uh, do you all accept donations and what is, what is the best route for people if they want to support you financially to do so? Um, I would say I would encourage everybody to donate to Rosie's Farm Sanctuary. And we are on, if you search Rosie's Farm Sanctuary on PayPal, you can find it or uh, Venmo, uh, Rosie's Farm Sanctuary. 
I would, I, that's, that's where I would direct everybody. Um, and yeah, because we need the support of the community. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's, it is expensive and it is, um, it's able to succeed and have an impact because of every single dime, you know, that's also, you know, before I go, I would love to just, um, I would love to touch on a subject that I don't think gets talked about enough. And I would, especially if, if new sanctuary founders are listening, um, I would always encourage people not to go to auctions and buy animals. I think it's, it's something that um, I think the rescue community really uh, doesn't talk about enough. I think that it's important not to put our money back into the cycle that we're, that we're trying to dismantle. I, and I feel like so many sanctuaries do. Um, I feel like, you know, for the same reasons we wouldn't buy a dog, we shouldn't buy any animal. You know, we don't buy, we wouldn't go to a pet store to buy a, or a puppy mill to buy a puppy. We shouldn't do that with an, uh, any animal. And I, I just, uh, I would encourage people to be donating to sanctuaries that aren't doing that. I think that's also important to, to say, even if it's not me, um, you know, to just be aware of what you're donating to and what you're really supporting. So I, I just, I, I, that's something that always, I want to stress that I, I feel like it's not talked about enough. And it is, I, I know firsthand, it is interesting to see the, um, to see the differences there. I, I know that, that we have had an animal or two that we have said, look, we will, we will give, if whatever the dollar amount would be to make sure that it, that it survives if, if necessary. Um, but like you said, in, in 99% of cases, there are, uh, tons of animals in need out there that, that do not ever put dollars in the pockets of those that are, that we kind of are continuously going up against. Yeah, exactly. You know, we're, we don't want to support or incentivize that bad behavior. We, we need to, and there's, there's plenty of free animals. I mean, there's, there's, there's just sanctuaries, get calls and emails every day. There's hoarding cases. There's just everything going on that, you know, there's why fill up a space in a sanctuary with an animal that we paid for when we don't have to. Yes. It's, it's, it's a pragmatic view, but we have to, we have to have that principle. Yes. And I, you know, uh, again, I, I appreciate, um, appreciate you joining us. I want to say thank you so much. Uh, I think you, your, your views have been, um, very important for us. Uh, I can't wait for people to, to hear this episode and, and hear the story of, yeah, of if anybody what... wants to adopt cows, if anyone wants to adopt, please reach out to me. We can make that happen. I can promise you the moment that we get more land, the moment we move out of our backyard, you will get a <laughs> you will get a phone call from us uh, because we love we love what you do and um, and and want want people to have that connection with um, with cows and calves and and see what that's like uh, again to experience uh, them being just like a puppy because they really are they're they're so much fun to watch 
um, to watch the videos of and, and to watch them grow at some of these other sanctuaries. And um, just so thankful that that we get the opportunity and so many others get the opportunity to watch that um, because of the work that you've done and uh, to see to see what those animals can be and to break some of those molds and, and uh, some of that those those thoughts that we have been conditioned so long uh, for so long to have. So thank you so, so much um, for joining us and, and for everything that you do on a daily basis from um, your work in activism, saving cows on the front line to to your current work there at Rosie's. It is it is making a unbelievable difference in the world. Hey, I, I really appreciate it. It's, it's a pleasure to chat with you and uh, I wish you all the best. Please stay in touch. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Sanctuary Life Podcast presented by Butterfly Valley Rescue and Sanctuary. To find out more about our podcast and how you can be a part of it, visit our webpage at butterflyvalleyrescue.com forward slash podcast or join us on social media at Sanctuary Life Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please remember to download the episode and recommend us to family and friends. See you next time.